Oh, what's this? Oh, man, this beer is infected. What do you mean it's on purpose? No, there's bacteria. It's in this beer. It's changing the flavor. No, I don't know what kind of bacteria. Because it's bacteria. No one without a graduate degree can pronounce it. Yeah, no, fine. It tastes good, but that's not the point. It's sour. Today's episode is all about sour beer, specifically European styles. We're going to go into what makes a beer turn sour, what styles use this to their advantage, and a little bit about the history of sour beer. So come in and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Uh, doing good. Uh, as usual, it's only been a few hours since Casey left. <laughs> man, the man is a migrant. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, but we had an interesting weekend. Um, Casey invited us to... The Hammerdown Brew Cup, which is the homebrewing competition hosted at Braxton and uh, here in Covington, Kentucky. It was uh, put on by the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Association. Guild. Guild. I think, My yeah. Bad. Oh, yeah, Guild. Um, Guild of Calamitous Brew. <laughs> and then uh, actually some of the Central Kentucky guys that Casey knows actually came up too, which I think they have one of the best names because it spells out Bach. I was like, good job. <laughs> yeah i think that's Bre the brewers of central kentucky i believe yeah that's his yeah. group that he belongs to right because most yeah, of the judges are... were from that group yeah that's that's uh the the home brewing group that he's he's partnered with he knows secret handshake right and he gets gets special discounts on tiny little beer cans he drives around i don't know I, i'm confusing <laughs> organizations now I was about to make a joke about special shirts, but they actually did have special shirts. They um, did. <laughs> with their names and, and everything. But I've been, I've been to their meetings. I've never signed up or joined because I don't brew my own stuff yet. Right. But, uh, no, they, they seem like pretty cool guys. And there's a little, they, they, they make a lot, of, a lot of interesting beer. Hmm. See, that would, that would be interesting to check out. Um, I don't think they. I don't know if they submitted anything for that. No, uh, they actually talked about that quite a bit. Um, I heard it eavesdropping because me and Brittany were stewards. Yes, we this. got to steward for the first time. Is that like very nervous. walking around with walking around with stuff and just handing off glasses, or pretty much you're assigned to a table, and each table is doing a specific category of beer, and you're tending to the judges and their paperwork. So that basically it's you do everything important so they can focus on the beer. Yeah. Like you're running back to the cooler to get them the assigned beers. You're going over all their paperwork, making sure all their numbers add up. 
You're keeping everything together, turning it all back in at the end yes. of everything. You're slipping cyanide into their beer <laughs> so you can take their spots. Most of them are pretty nice and pour you the exact bit they are having. Yeah, so... Every group I had, they were just... when they, They'd pour their beers and they'd pour one for me. And so when I finished up all the paperwork and everything from the last one, there was a beer waiting for me. Yeah, it was... Ah. Yeah, you, so the, the good thing about being the steward, you don't have the pressure of actually having to... I mean, they they have a particular sheet, um, I guess, from the BJCP uh, that meets the that talks about the guidelines. It lists like all the aromas possible. Um, you have to judge, give a score and a description, like a, a write-in for each thing that you're judging on. Um, it, there's a lot of it, it's very involved. Like it was a it was a big educational experience for us. And so so the day was actually broken up into two parts though. And I I think. It was a total of 19 tables. Yeah, when you... For each session. For each session. And there were two sessions, an AM and a PM. So that tells you anything about how many groups there were. Because this started at um, 9.30 in the morning? We we started drinking at 9.30. Yes. And first group done when we finished... Mine was the last one done. Oh, it was... (laughs) they, They... so what happened is some judges didn't show up. There were a couple of stewards that didn't show up. So, um, well, and and not entirely, you know, just because they didn't show Like, two of them had, like, flat tires were on the side of the road. They weren't able to get up there. So instead, that, they should have had, instead, they should have had a fat tire. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, uh, unfortunately, on the first, so the, the first um, session, Chris got, he was the only steward because usually, I think for most of them, it was two stewards per table. And most of the tables were of four total judges. It was four or more. I think Casey had one where there were six. Okay. Well, some the table was kind of loosely used because they would put two groups um, at a, each physical table. So that it, there was a lot. There was a lot of people in this room. And um, each, of course, each table was each category for BJCP. So like my first session or my, my the group in the AM session was Belgian and French ales. Oh. So like saisons uh, and uh, Belgian, Belgian pale ales, that kind of thing. And then yeah. Chris, unfortunately was the only steward in his group and his two judges, only two judges for the light hybrid category. 14 beers. It was a flight yeah, of 14 beers. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that That sounds like that's going to be a lot of... I would start out with, it was just 12, and we were, then the two judges were like, this is a lot, I mean, for two people, because normally if there were at least four with that many beers, they'd just split it up and be like, all right, you guys take, you know, these six, we'll take the other six, mm-hmm. and we'll plow through this in like an hour. Yeah. But no, it was two guys, and there were, we started through with the 12 beers. About, okay, the light hybrids. It was uh, cream ales, Kolsch's, uh, American wheats. Nothing really dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of just also, kind of... I also think, like, I mean, it's not going to be something that, that jumps out and hits you, but it, it, it sounds like it's still, like, a, a delicious thing to judge. It was at first. <laughs> it was at first. Because out of those three kinds I just listed, there were only two American wheat beers. And then it pretty it split pretty even between the Kolsch's and the cream ales. 
And after the first, you know, couple of each, they all tasted the same, just light <laughs> and like no flavor. And even the judges were just wearing down on the like lack of anything throughout it. But halfway through, uh, the head steward comes around and was like, "So, hope you guys are thirsty because we just added two more." <laughs> yeah, we actually got an add-on in our group too. So, and we had, um, of course, there were four judges for and two stewards in my first group. And there were, um, I think there were a total of 15. And then we got an add-on, uh, which was just another Belgian pale ale. There were there were quite a few in the same, I guess, subcategory. Like a lot of the Belgian pale ales, a lot of Saison's, and then there were like five Trappist ales to end it. Ooh. So, um, and I'm probably getting the numbers all off. But the the sad thing is i at least got a, a mix up but chris did not so like my the in the during the pm session my group uh it was another it was another four judges and two stewards at least they they worked it very differently than the first group did though um di- very different judges um but it was american wild ales which is the reason i am not drinking to the theme of this episode today because i am kind of over tart stuff <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> no, it was interesting, though, how they were handling that category because since it, there were a lot of wild, you know, weird yeasts going oh, yeah. on. So they made them keep, instead of keeping the beer back in the cooler when it was time, because this was in a brewery, they could not chance, you know, that wild yeast oh. getting loose in the brewery. They had to bring yeah. the whole case up to our table because normal. So the whole deal is that the stewards would run back and get the appropriate, the next bottle on the list for the judges and then um, bring it back, take back whatever they didn't want to have for like their what they were going to do first, second, and third place on. So it it was kind of a it was an all day on our feet, like back and forth. You know, it was a lot, it was actually a lot of work. But on the wild ales, because of the yeast, um, the wild yeast, they brought the whole case that we had to to judge of whatever like fourteen beers or whatever. And they or no, ours was eighteen beers the second time. That's what it was. So 18 wild ale beers, and they had the whole case up near our table, and then immediately had to dispose of it once they were finished judging. Which they took up <laughs> to like the out tap of the brewery. room, away. They took it up to the tap room, away from away from the tanks, away yeah. from the tanks, and dumped it down the drain. Yeah, it was. They're like, we don't want to risk any of this yeah. happening. Because yeah, any if they, one of those bottles got left open in the back too long, it could ruin them. Yeah, like it could have just because they had batches fermenting in the tanks, so any yeah. bit of that yeast got in there, no telling what would have happened. So Surprise that was fascinating. Surprised they didn't make them like sit outside, <laughs> right? Just, you, you there, you got lucky on your PM session because my PM session was they're like let's just double down on a bland for you pilsners. <laughs> only I had four judges, and I was the only steward once again. <laughs> so those guys. Luckily for time's sake, because during the AM session, by the time we got, we were the last group to finish, and everyone else had eaten lunch by the time yeah. we finished. He so was like one of the last people to get Got food. to pick over the leftovers, and everyone took all the like plain sandwiches, everyone and left us all the things covered in mustard and pickles and some weird relish, and I was so hungry. I was like, screw it, just dump some barbecue sauce on it and eat it. <laughs> just pretend it's not there. But yeah, I had, uh, I had a whole day of bland. <laughs> so immediately and now and, and so the funny thing is like during the pm session so the first time he took too long and the second time 
Casey and I were taking too long because Casey was actually judging. So he's over in some other group. They took, they were, they didn't actually finish until a little while after my group had finally finished. My group had issues because the wild ale thing is such a weird, just complicated category to judge. They had to bring over the head judge. So they had like actual, actually four different opinions to try to judge one of the beers in that category because they were trying to decide to judge it on the base beer. I specifically remember it was an amber ale with three different um, tropical Brettanomyces in it. So, so it got called up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> they couldn't agree because if you're if the scores varied by more than they didn't want a variation of more than five to seven points, but they specifically said if you're going to have a variation of more than five points, you got to bring it to us. Yeah, because it because the judges' opinions shouldn't be split that far over a beer. Right. So that was and so that definitely took a while. So since Chris was actually finished before. Because Casey they worked and I were. me to death because I, <laughs> I essentially became one steward to two groups when they split it because they're like, oh, for time's sake, you guys take these six, we'll take these six. But it just meant double the running, double the paperwork for me. But then so he comes up to me and I'm still standing there in my group as the head judge is like figuring out this other beer. And after his day of ales, he came over with like the uh, the dead blow with coffee starter oh. dead blow starter yeah. coffee and it was no it was everything for me <laughs> just <laughs> the rest of the day was nothing but stouts and porters i was like nope i, I don't want anything light it, we're, we're diving through a beer that i can't see through <laughs> yeah <laughs> but overall it was a really great experience and um and casey had actually brought up the the question like maybe we should try for the show to do um like kind of a mock competition judging thing like try to use those judging sheets which i think could be kind of cool at some point um i mean yeah. you know, at some point we wanted to do another tasting episode anyway sometimes soon casey's yeah. raring to set that up for us <laughs> and we got another tasting glass we got little glasses for oh yeah uh, so doing the competition you. yeah i mean we got glasses and free beer tickets <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, and that was the other thing. At the end, they took uh, three submissions from uh, homebrewing guilds over uh, Storm variants, and Storm is their base beer. It's a cream ale out of that brewery. And I can't remember the first two. We were all, after we saw them, we are like, man, I forget that. But nope. it's like little... One had apricots and peaches, I believe. Mm, and yeah. then, the, but the one that, yeah, the one that we were going for had, uh, or no, and then the other one had like mint and something else. Yeah, I was like, no, I forget that. Menthol brand storm. Yeah. <laughs> but the the last one, there was the last one to tap because they would, would tap them like two hours apart. And this was after the home brewing. Uh, it was, well, it was with orange. Lactose. It was orange, lactose, and something else. Vanilla? It, yeah, vanilla because it was essentially a dream sickle. They made a cre- an orange cream soda cream ale. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was good. But it was just, I mean, one little barrel. And it'll never come back. <laughs> so that was yeah. why, even though we came back here and took a nap, we were all asleep, sudden alarm for the tapping. Woke up, and we're like, ah, ah, we gotta, gotta get down to the brewery. <laughs> it's one of those things, we're walking down there, it's like, pretty sure we have a drinking problem. Yeah. We, we were so tired, and and we had walked Casey to death all day, because we also walked to Mainstraus Village, which is not necessarily as close to us, uh, and walked back. 
So he uh, decided, Uber. yeah, he Ubered from Braxton. <laughs> he was like, oh, we're all about done? We're like, yeah. And then I saw him, see him hit his phone. I was like, what? And he's like, I'm calling an Uber. <laughs> this is less than half a mile from us? Yeah, he goes, hey, it's, it's on me. He's like, don't worry. This is not the first time he's done that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, it was it was a nice informative experience for the weekend. I think there was one uh, there was one big winner. A uh, guy from Louisville won, yeah. and he won nineteen medals actually. So, jeez, for uh, his German alt beer, uh, which I don't think any of us got to try that. Oh, still, suddenly it was pretty, pretty fun time. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's probably time to move on to news. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, got a little caught up there. Um, yeah, we'll start with our first story. Uh, something. We're all kind of familiar with now. Uh, ABMVEV, well, this aspect of it's not. Uh, they have actually sold one of their acquired properties. I, I thought they only bought. <laughs> right? Well, that's something uh, it feels like. I want to be like, oh, well, last year, I guess, ABMVEV, when they purchased uh, Saab Miller, we had discussed at length about how there's no way antitrust groups are going to let it just stand that... ABMBev buys Saab Miller and owns all of its holdings. There's no way they're going to allow it to happen, but in front of any ruling forcing them to do this stuff against their will, they're starting to sell off some of these brands before, you know, they're in a tight spot and can't get as much money for them. Yeah, it's like it, sell them now while while they can have at least a little bit in dictur- dictating the price. Yeah. Uh, so what's come down uh Anheuser-Busch Imbev which is in the process of acquiring uh, Saab Miller, said it accepted an offer from Japan's Ashai group for Peroni and a group of other Saab beer brands. I couldn't find anything about what the other brands were. Uh, I'm sure that'll come out later, but I did have to look up Ashai because I was like, I'm not familiar with them at all. Turns out, I am. <laughs> uh, well, they are, and just just to be clear, they're doing this. Uh, apparently, it's it's conditional on the success of the closing of its takeover of Saab Miller. Yes, so. yes. If uh, for some reason uh, regulation groups do not allow them to purchase Saab Miller, this will also fall through. But right. something tells me there are going to be like a hundred or so deals like this, just sitting waiting for the sale mm. to be official and go through. But uh, Ashai owns uh, Sapporo Brewery. Uh, Kirin Company and Ashai Soft Drinks, but they are based out of Japan. Yeah, um, when I, when I heard the name of the group, I was thinking that there were uh, that I'd known one or two of the beers in there. And as you you know, when you were going down the list, I was like, oh yeah, I know Sapporo, I know, I know of them. Every sushi restaurant with a liquor license, I feel like you see that beer. That is that is the Japanese beer in America, anyway. Yeah, you'll see that at every anywhere that sells sushi, probably. Yeah, uh, but no, I thought it was it, it was kind of neat that they're they're selling something off for like two point nine billion dollars. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I guess that pays two almost three percent of the buy cost <laughs> of uh, Saab Miller, considering they paid a hundred billion for that. Yeah, which that those numbers are still crazy. 
But, I mean, we're seeing that we knew this was coming. We saw this, you know, last year. We had predicted this is what was going to happen. We just didn't know how it was going to happen and how, you know, how long. Yeah, like, and then I imagine we're, we'll be see, seeing seeing a few more stories like this starting to pop up of them them pu- pushing out new and uh, sections of, of Saab Miller to, to sell off or maybe even – I doubt th- – They'll sell off any of their own actual stuff, but yeah, that's. I'm sure it's doubtful, and it's probably just going to be these. Uh, well, what have been taken as imports and things like that, like international beers. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. going to be what we see go, and they're going to want to hold on to the domestic as far as they can because, as has been seen, their only growth in the U.S. domestic market is from buying up craft brewers. That's the only way they can not even grow, just kind of take less of a loss. Right. Now, and this, you know, it was, it's, it's just, it's strange seeing the shoe on the other foot for a change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even a good analogy because no one's buying them, but you know, they're doing, they're, they're changing up their pace from what we had seen previously. Well, to move into our next story as a perfect segue, let's just go ahead and put that shoe back on the exact (laughs) same way. We're always used to it going on. Because AB InBev has acquired Italy's Biera del Borgo. I mean, that doesn't sound like a craft American craft brewer. No, no, it is actually the biggest craft brewer in Italy. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Terms of the transaction were not disclosed, and Biera del Borgo founder Leonardo Da Vinzio <laughs> will continue to serve as CEO. Uh, in a press statement, the smaller brewery described the deal as a partnership that would give it a unique opportunity to make the necessary investments for expansion while continuing to independently manage its business and define how to grow. Until they realize the last minute they're being sold for parts. <laughs> that or they realize, oh yeah, ABM Vev is hiring people all across the U.S. to be their ambassadors to the companies they buy up to come in and restructure it the way they want. Mm. We may know of these positions because someone within our group may have applied for some of these positions. (laughs) Hey, hey, they posted the salary in those. They were going to pay people like 70, 80 grand to do this. (laughs) But, yeah. um... But, yeah, it was uh, launched, the brewery was, by DaVincio in 2005 in a small town about 60 miles east of Rome. They had grown to become one of Italy's leading craft breweries and are known for popular real ale Duchessa and Dusale. I have no clue if I'm saying those right. I know I'm not, actually. <laughs> uh, I see real ale, and I'm just thinking of like of uh, uh, soccer teams like Real Ale. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, apparently... Apparently they've done some collaborations in the state here with a brewer- states here with a brewery though uh, with uh, Dogfish Head, right? Yeah, um, what they say is in the U.S. Uh, craft aficionados probably recognize the Biera del Borgo name because of its previous collaborations with Dogfish Head. So everyone knows Dogfish Head, but the two companies first partnered on the 7.5 percent ABV My Antonia. It was a logger. Uh, Antonio. <laughs> Back in 2008. 
But, yeah, uh, they've worked on a few other things together, some kind of partnership for a rooftop location. I don't know. They probably had a big party there at one point, located off Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. So Dogfish Head had been bringing their products to the States for collaborations. Yeah. And I'm sure in the back end of that, they were bringing some of Dogfish Head stuff into Italy. Uh, they have a list here of uh, uh, other small breweries in foreign markets that uh, AB InBev has bought, like London's Camden Town Brewery, which did in October, and, uh, and the Labatt's. Uh, well, that subsidiary it purchased uh, 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 Toronto Mill Street. Yeah, it bought from Labatt, as I say, uh, the the Toronto Mill Street Brewery. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is just showing that ABM Bev their growth worldwide now is. I mean, it seems like they've almost given up on their own brands and are just like, nope, let's just buy everyone else. I mean, yeah, you know their their brand will you know their. Their original brand will work just fine in certain markets and maybe as a premium import in certain markets. Uh, sorry, that's still it's just stuck in my crawl. <laughs> um, but, it, it, yeah, the uh, it, it seems like a, a solid strategy, though. If you're, if you're wanting a big worldwide presence just go ahead and buy up smaller ones all around the world and just bring in money yeah um, i mean it's once they seem successful enough that they're not going to go under under their own stress that you know they're they'll make all kinds of money that way yeah i mean it's frustrating to see this because uh they're talking about all the other recent acquisitions uh they've also recently acquired Virginia's Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, which was their eighth U.S. craft purchase. Right, since... which we talked about last uh, last episode, I think. Was it last mm-hmm. episode? Yeah. Recently, we mentioned it, though, yeah. Uh, they Since 2011, they've bought eight craft breweries. Six in the last 18 months, so they're, like, really stepping it up. Yeah. It's... Look, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is like this makes me go. Well, maybe they're not always going to focus on craft brewers here in the U.S. Maybe we can we can sleep slightly easier. Yeah, I mean, last episode we talked about you know they're growing in Russia, <laughs> yeah. so they are looking at the international markets. Maybe it'll make them lay off of the domestic market for a while. Probably not. I mean, they keep springing up new new breweries. They might as well buy them out too. Oh, well, yeah, but since we're talking domestic, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> let's Don't move draw on. attention to the segue. <laughs> let's move on to the third news story here, and it is a tasty one. Uh, Great Lakes introducing signature barbecue sauces. I am okay with this. <laughs> yes, I, everyone needs to do this. Great Lakes Brewing Company announces an exciting beer-infused venture, the release of two new signature barbecue sauces. Edmund Fitzgerald Porter Barbecue Sauce and Dortmund Gold Lager Barbecue Sauce will be released this May, just in time for grill season. So this is this is just a, a joke that I always do in my head, but every time I hear the Edmund Fitzgerald, yeah. I just always um, flash in my head to, on the Edmund Fitzgerald! Oh no, no, it's Isn't a chorus of people should yeah. like come running in from other rooms to... Yeah, just, <laughs> on the Edmund Fitzgerald! Uh... That's a rule. No, I, I, 
I, I, you know, I enjoy both these these beers, and so the idea of them as barbecue sauce just makes me go, yeah, sure. Yes, um, a porter as a barbecue sauce, that a thousand times over. Can I just get that all over my ribs? Can, can we just do that now? <laughs> ribs you're eating, or do you literally just want to I was going to say, both. Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, while I'm eating it, if I could have someone just slathering it on my chest, that, that uh, would work out just fine. Brittany, you said for better and for better or worse. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it'd be for better. For her, probably for worse. <laughs> Isn't the the um, the porter one, the barbecue sauce, spicy with roasted red pepper flavors and a hot and sweet finish? You can't tell me that's not mouth watering to hear. Mm. And then the tangy tomato and subtle hickory smoke flavors in the lager one. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm good. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I want want both of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently this is part of their commitment to zero waste. Uh, it says that we've used low-fill beers to create sauces and dressings for decades. We're, and they go on to say, we're excited to bring on part of our pub's tradition to even more customers. Uh, so we can totally start buying them right now, right? Right. Uh, well, the product will launch quite soon. Yeah, it'll be they're, soon. They're raining down from the skies. No purchase necessary. <laughs> just uh, it's going to be available in their gift shop in Cleveland. Um, at and then at, actually soon. It doesn't. Well, that, May fourth. It doesn't select Ohio retailers beginning May fourth. Yeah, it doesn't say when it started there. They probably already have it there, but May fourth for the rest of wherever it's going to be in Ohio. And then I'm sure it will slowly spread out in twenty there. ounce bottles. <laughs> They're giving you a bit of barbecue sauce. Yeah. If you're going to use barbecue sauce, you don't want like a thimble of it. You want... <laughs> want enough to, to coat those ribs. Yeah. Ribs aren't there for just like, oh, let's put just this little small layer of barbecue. No. No, you smother it in them. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with this. I, now I, I'm just going to be paying attention. I went... They'll probably have like a thing on their website to find it. Like, you know, the where to find this product kind of deal. But I'm really hoping it spreads you know, south of Cleveland to nearish to us. Right. That'd be cool. And for once, the shoe will be on the other foot. Flatlanders will be coming into your state to steal your <laughs> yeah. related products. Very yep. much so. Pretty much. Uh, I say that as a joke. Like, I, I, it's the running gag with uh, KBS and why why it runs out so quickly up, up well, north. We- Mm-hmm. Looking on uh, Untapped, we were able to discover because we saw there were uh, big uh, tappings of KBS in Ohio. What? Yeah, Casey Looking though discovered on on uh, Untapped there is a lower alcohol version of KBS, not to be bottled, but it was just for kegs going to states that only allow lower alcohol content wasn't it like 11 yeah, point it's like, something it's just under the legal allowable limit but it's so it could be served in those states how so, low would they have to go for it to be served in utah right <laughs> pretty low but i think uh there that's actually up to change uh this coming election they're actually trying mm-hmm. to get rid of that yeah next time we go to nerdtacular our beers will be properly strengthened yeah they won't all be watered down hopefully and then we will continue our tradition of uh, drinking way too much at a high altitude. because Like idiots. <laughs> because why do you need water? Who needs water? I mean, come on. Seriously. 
Dehydration is so overrated. There's there's but, water and beer. It's got all that wet stuff. All that wet, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> you need something to take your mind off the fact you're talking to to people that are going to make you nervous because you're fans of their stuff. Hmm. Exactly. All right, I think that's wrapping up our news segment here. So let's go in since we've already mentioned it and talk about Untapped. Oh. Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son! Yeah. We are getting riggedy, riggedy, wrecked. Or at least we were yesterday. <laughs> Someone was yesterday. Some <laughs> of us have to work. We have to work tomorrow, and we're not happy about it. Not happy at all. All right. Uh, there were a whole bunch of new badges <laughs> the past couple weeks on Untapped. Uh, so we picked three that we think are fitting. And coming up quick, so you'll miss these if you're listening to the episode late. Uh, the first one is a blast of citrus peel. This is uh, for... It's that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. It's for the Long... Southern Tier Imperial Wheat Ale, and it's yes. the three citrus peel out. It's got blood orange juice, grapefruit, and tangerine peels. Wait, there's blood in this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> The blood okay. of our enemies. I'm, I'm honestly oh, wondering please. how, because so we actually got one of the taller, I guess the pint bottle of this to try out because the the badge expires quite soon. It's actually May 1st, which is what, su- like Saturday or Sunday? Next week? First of May, first of May. <laughs> we know what starts that day. <laughs> but no. Uh, play ukulele nonstop. I don't know what else you guys are talking about. But May 1st is when you have until you get this... Uh, badge so if you're hearing this run out now and go find three citrus peel out from southern tier run do not walk (laughs) run don't walk but blood orange is a totally different taste and i'm just gonna i'm wondering how that's gonna go with the tangerine and grapefruit so i'm kind of intrigued by this one okay so i've never had a blood orange but a friend of mine had started trying them recently and she said this tastes just like an orange is it just because it's dark like there's no there's no difference in flavor okay she's crazy then Okay. It definitely doesn't taste like a regular orange. I can tell you that. Uh, right. I, I don't know what to compare it to, though. I mean, I would, it's, it still uh, tastes citrus, but it, it, it's, it's more it's a, tart. Yeah. I would say. But yeah, hmm. um, I thought we'd heard about this badge late or something, but no, it's only available April twenty second to May first. So yeah, that's not a whole lot of time. No, yeah. that's why we snatched that up when we saw it. Actually, just today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What other batches we got? We've got Blaze a Hoppy Trail. This is for Long Trail Brewing, uh, their Green Blaze IPA. So uh, Blaze a Hoppy Trail through... I'm not going to read the whole description. <laughs> but anyway, you have until May 22nd on this one. So it's April 22nd to May 22nd. Yeah, a little bit longer. We saw that in the store today, too, but... Um... Because we had time on that one, we figured. And we're actually... I've been wanting to get, like, a variety pack from them anyway. I don't know if that would be in it or not. Like, maybe if they have a spring one that they put it out in. That would be good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything from Long Trail. I see their stout sitting in a six-pack on the shelf taunting me all the time. I'm like, I can't bring myself to buy a (laughs) six-pack. It's... It's too much beer. It's too much of one beer. I, I just, I can't bring myself to do it. Huh. All right. And our final untapped badge for this week 
is going to be the patrons, patron saint of brewers. It's for uh, St. Arnold Brewing Company. It's a great-looking badge, first yeah. of all. It's fantastic. This is Bishop holding a mug of beer. <laughs> I meant to look to see if I could find any of these today, but I forgot. So, achieve the blessing of St. Arnold by unlocking the brand new Patron Saint of Hops badge. Check into two different St. Arnold beers from the following list between April 22nd and May 22nd, and it's yours. So, you've got a little bit of time on this one, uh, a little under a month. But the beers to check into are the Icon Green. Art Car IPA, Alyssa IPA, and Endeavor IPA. I think it's probably a double IPA because yeah. it has a two there. That or it's an IPA squared. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you just have to check into two of those so you can mix and match a bit. And if, you, if you're wondering, because I don't know that I've ever even seen this um, brewery stuff anywhere, they have links on the untapped the blog post that has this badge on it and you can get a better look at the label because i think when we were there we were trying to look for kind of what the badge looks like and that is that not, is not the these, way to go is <laughs> not I, I imagine that it's what i would think to do at first but i would bet that it probably doesn't look like that not a lot not at all apparently because uh, i'm just like look clicking in these links like ah no wonder we didn't see this anywhere yeah so I, and maybe they don't even have it here for all we know um but Definitely Probably not. check for that. After kids. looking at the labels, it's like, no, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. But yeah, okay. so untapped. <laughs> those Get are, them all those are badges to go try to find. All right. I guess it's time to move on to the topic. I mean, that's subjective. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know how much I've had. <laughs> I have a feeling she may have an idea of how much you've had. Maybe. Uh, well, today, it's all about sour ales. Uh, European sour ales, to be exact. But uh, if you're wondering, sour ales are a dis- are distinctive in the beer world for their basic sour fl- flavor characteristics. Their sourness is typically a byproduct of the yeast strain that helps to ferment the beer. Yeast strains that uh, can include... Why do, always get this, why do I always get the science? Uh, uh, Saccharomyces, uh, Brettomyces, uh, Brettomyces, uh, Lactobacillus, Lactobacillus yeah. and Pedococcus. Pretty good, uh, pretty good. Better than I would have done. Science. Says, don't, don't be alarmed by the names, though. They're all great for beer. Uh, sourness in beer is sometimes associated with bad beer, Uh if you're not familiar with sours, uh, but sour ales are extremely refreshing, flavorful beers. Uh, for some wine drinkers, a sour ale can capture many of the complexities and favorite characteristics of the flavor characteristics of their favorite wine. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've had some some wine aged sours before. Um, Sometimes that's an okay thing. Sometimes it's a terrible thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sours are one of those kind of hit or miss things for me. I'll say. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that they are they are delicious, and sometimes sometimes they make a face that you can tell even through audio. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah, sours are my 
not category right now. Used to be IPAs, warming up into them. We dipped our toes in that water. We're kind of wading around now. <laughs> we have floaties yeah. on. It's fine. <laughs> well, before the advent of re- refrigeration and advances in the science of fermentation, uh, almost all beer, to varying degrees, was sour. Uh, the culprits were pre-moderns uh, sanitation and poorly understood, often naturally occurring bacteria, including... Uh, Lactobacillus and Pedococcus, uh, as well as some um, Bretomyces yeast, which can contribute to the hint of tart characteristics and funky flavors and aromas that sometimes appear. Uh, apparently, they're sometimes compared to leather, smoke, and horse blanket. <laughs> right. I don't know what horse blanket tastes or smells like. I'm betting probably not great. So you need to find a horse no. farm yeah. and go out to the horses in the evening and lick the blanket. <laughs> I live in whiff. Kentucky, Chris. Where will I find a horse farm? <laughs> Especially with the derby coming up. Where? Oh, where? <sighs> uh, it, in a development that would make Pasteur, uh, father of biogenesis and... Uh, and man who makes your milk last longer. <laughs> uh, yeah, if he had saw this, he would roll in his grave. Brewers, especially in the U.S., have embraced the time-honored Belgian art of deliberately infecting beer with the same wild bugs that generations of their predecessors so painstakingly eradicated. <laughs> the result is a pleasant, is a pleasingly sour, food-friendly beer. Uh, mysteriously complex and engaging, uh, and that's that's fairly accurate. Like I, I enjoy some, uh, I, I enjoy some sours when you're you're especially paired with some like the right kind of food. Uh, the <laughs> it, it does seem counterintuitive though, because like you know to to deliberately yeah sour your beer because you know, you worked so hard to 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 get it pure to get it. <laughs> you know, consistent and to make sure it's, it, you know, you get rid of all that sour taste and some guy just went in and went, you know what I miss? Sour beer. Bam! I miss having a good pucker on my face for like a day. <laughs> uh, apparently commercially available Belgian sour beers first came to the U.S. in the 1970s, laying the groundwork for ever-tartar domestic beers. The Cantillon Brewery Founded in 1900 in Brussels, uh, in Brussels, we're going to give this German word a shot, uh, Anderlicht neighborhood. That seems right. Yeah, I think you got that. Still brew, uh, and they still brew the most uncompromising examples, specializing in lambics, uh, spontaneously fermented sour ales, uh, goose, goose, I think is how it's pronounced, um, and, uh, and made of uh, blended aged alambics. Uh, I'm trying to see. Now, the there's Cantillon can be a little difficult to find here in the states now. Like, or at least certain types of their alambics are a little like you know you might have to go hunt for some of them. I've had them once. Uh, they're they're really good. Uh, hmm. They're really good sour. Uh, they're they were also not cheap. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I may have gotten a yelling from uh, Casey's wife when he had bought a bottle of this. 
because oh. I was supposed to stop him from from buying a ridiculous amount of spending a ridiculous amount of money on beer. In my defense, I didn't see the receipt until she did. <laughs> you just said, "Oh, hey, it's this." But yeah, apparently, um, Kinsillan's austere, tart, musty character uh, uh, initially led some beer drinkers to declare that the beer had been infected and returned bottles by the case. Hmm. Uh, even in uh, 1977, with a guy who uh, oh, 97 worker. 97. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the guy from the New Yorker who wrote this article uh, that I, I lifted this part from. <laughs> uh, when he visited the breweries, uh, the beer the beers were not available in the U.S. beyond a few semi-smuggled shipments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seemed like a crazy idea at the time. Uh, the importers uh, said it took almost 10 years for people to realize what a traditional Lambic and uh, goose is supposed to taste like that's geese. crazy geese because it's so it's just so counterintuitive it is like and and especially for i, I imagine the sours are tricky for home brewers because you know you you work so hard to get rid of that sour flavor and then you have to try to introduce it in a controlled setting yeah very limited controlled setting precise to get it at the right level yeah so that's uh, that's probably a little you know a little tricky. Now, in terms of more history, I couldn't find anything. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. If you know more, please send me the information. Tell me. Yeah. Uh, this was all I got. Uh, yeah, this was on European. Remember European yeah. sours. That's... Yeah. If we we went a little bit broader, I'm sure there was a little bit more other things to find, but. Uh, it's also it's it's one of those things that since everything was kind of sour to start with, they weren't really, you know, Hard they to weren't differentiate, making yeah. they weren't making beer to be sour beer. It was just it's how beer was, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, there's a couple of different styles of of them though. Let's uh, let's break some of those down. Right. So, um, I the list that we picked is from the category from the uh, Beer Judge Certification Program, the BJCP guidelines and this is the 2015 guidelines so um you know basically the most updated one so far but uh the descriptions actually come from beer advocate so um if anybody wants to look these up um the category contains traditional style beers of europe that are still produced uh many but not all with a wheat component most have low bitterness with the sourness of the beer providing the balance that hot bitterness would otherwise contribute and uh, some are sweetened or flavored, whether at the brewery or upon consumption. Yeah, Casey mentioned to me uh, when I was talking to him about sour beers that sometimes they are literally using as as few, like uh, just enough hops to call it beer, but not enough to actually flavor anything. Because <laughs> so much of that, the, the sour bitterness that they're trying to get isn't coming from, from the hops. Yeah. It's a whole, it's an interesting category. Um, all right, so these are the European sour ales. I'm just going to do the rundown of the list and then start covering some of the styles. So we have the Berliner Weiss, the Flanders Red Ale, the... Old Bruin? Oud Bruin? Oud Bruin? Sure. The Lambic, the one you said before. The Geese. <laughs> and the Fruit Lambic, um, which I didn't know before that there was a difference between those two. But here we go. Uh, the Berliner Weiss, 
top fermented, bottle conditioned wheat beer. And it's made with both traditional warm fermenting yeasts and the lactobacillus culture. Um, lactobacillus is usually the thing, like the culture that's in like, you know, Greek yogurts and various other yogurts and things that are used, used as a probiotic for your, to help digestion and stuff. So, it's um, probiotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, they have a rapidly, I'm, I'm very punny today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't stop. I think the topic warrants it, though, <laughs> so it's fine. Yes, and you heard it here first, folks. A beer with lactobacillus a day is better than having Greek yogurt. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Berliner Weiss has a rapidly vanishing head and a clear, pale, golden, straw-colored appearance. Um, it tastes refreshing, tart, sour, and acidic. With a lemony citric fruit sharpness and almost no hop bitterness, um, I imagine you're not going to experience much hop bitterness in any of these, actually. So, can I say that whenever I hear the term Berliner Weiss, uh, all I keep thinking is uh, Edelweiss. Like I just start hearing songs <laughs> in German in my head. <laughs> it sounds like the most German name. It does. Um, well, it has to do with the fact that Berliner. Is yeah, yeah. But in Ein Berliner Weiss. Like of all the, the German styles of beer, you're like, ah, guess where that's from. Uh, all right. So it's interesting. It covers on here uh, that it's served in the bulbous stemmed glass, which, you know, we, we talked about how important glassware is before um, on the last episode. Mm-hmm. So important thing to note. Um, doesn't really say exactly which glass that is, but bulbous with stem. Um I imagine a good, like a red wine glass, perhaps? Uh, probably not unlike the glass that you're drinking from today, Brittany. Huh? Uh, you held up a glass earlier. Oh, oh. Yeah, I thought that's... I forgot that I did. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, the car's you know inside what I'm... the house. <laughs> yeah. How can he see me? Oh, wait, it's a video call. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I for- completely forgot that entirely. Um, so I should put my pants back on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, mine are off, and I'm just sitting in the corner. <laughs> Okay, so it, then it gets into a lot of German. Anyway, so the <laughs> we just that's the next part as as it just goes behind the fingers. I was gonna say no. That's how the best pornos start. A lot of people with their <laughs> pants off, and then there's a lot of German. <laughs> okay, it's like Berliner Weiss mit Schuss Himbeer, or whatever that says. So and Waldemeister. Anyways, so these are syrups that are added to make the sourness more palatable. Uh, the Himbera, or whatever, is raspberry red, and the Waldmeister is woodruff green. Hmm. So, that's cool to know. So, they put syrups, basically, in the Berliner Weiss. Yeah. Okay, and, um, and then the average uh, ABV is 2 to 5%. So, pretty low. I think I say like two is really low. Yeah, like, at that point, aren't you just a malt beverage? At that point, you're just a Mike's Hard Lemonade. I would say yeah. at that point, you're a No Duels. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I've seen. I thought I'd. I had seen some higher ABVs before on that style, but I guess not. Maybe like maybe I'm just thinking of something else. Um, but that that's interesting. Uh, this one I think we, this style we've seen a bit more of. Um. And, you know, we've had people make them that we know. Um, this is the Flanders Red Ale, uh, commonly referred to as the Red Beers of West Flanders. 
Belgian red beers are typically light-bodied brews with reddish-brown colors. Perfect for your red weddings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, they are uh, infamous for their distinct sharp, fruity, sour, and tart flavors, which are created by special yeast strains. Uh, very complex beer. They are produced under the age-old tradition of long-term cask aging in oak and the blending of young and old beers. Um, so that one's kind of a more fascinating uh, process, I guess, to me uh, than the other one was. Um, and then these also range from 4 to 8%, so a little bit higher up on the scale of alcohol content as well. Mid-range, starting to get up there. Yeah. Like an 8% one would be kind of crazy. Mid-range like my Hearthstone decks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, then the Oudbrun... Udbrun. Yeah. Udbrun. Okay. That one. Uh, <laughs> not restricted to, but concentrated in Flanders, are light to medium bodied, deep copper to brown in color. Uh, extremely varied, characterized by a slight vinegar or lactic sourness, and spiciness to smooth and sweet. So, I always get a little, like, weird when they say vinegar. I'm like, I don't... I don't know how much I would personally want that kind of a taste in my beer, but sure, sure. Um, and then the lactic sourness, that's, so that just means more of like that, um, I imagine the mouthfeel is going to be more of like the dairy end, um, because that's a milk sugar. Mm. Um, and then fruity, estery character is apparent with no hop flavor or aroma. Low to medium bitterness, probably because of that. Um, very small quantities of diacetyl, uh, which is that, that butteriness, um, are acceptable. Roasted malt character and aroma and flavor is acceptable, but at low levels. And then oak-like or woody characters may be pleasantly integrated into the overall palate. Um, typically, old and new brown ales are blended, like lambics. These also range 4 to 8% ABV. So it sounds like that's where I want to start. Yeah. Under my sours. But of course, you don't really see this style super often. You know, I, I swear I see like Lambics, Berliner Weiss, and, um, and the Flanders pro- probably more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I see the odd Udbrun from here and from every now and then. The, huh. Like it's, it's, it's a thing I'm familiar ish with. Like I saw the name and went, oh yeah, that. Um, but not enough that, like, as you're describing it, I went, man, I don't remember the last time I had one was. I can't, I can't think. Right? Don't think I ever have. It's, a, it's very distinctive, it sounds like. But something I have had, the next style, Lambic. A spontaneous, fermented, unblended ale that is indigenous to the Sin Valley? Seine? Seine? Seine Valley? Of uh. Belgium. A large portion of wheat brings out the crispness through the flavor, though the flavor is dominated with a unique tartness from the wild yeast and bacteria that inoculate the brew from both airborne and tainted barrels that they, I just, oh, that they ferment in light bodied and little hop flavor or bitterness. See, um, when I think of lambics and them being spontaneous fermenters, I make, I think I made the same joke a while ago when we talked about spontaneous fermentation. Yeah. Uh, 
But I always just picture just like one day they're just walking by, just open up the thing, like, how's it doing? Nope, not. They walk a little bit further, they just hear it just go, boom! <laughs> Lambic! <laughs> but yeah, it says, uh, look for hard cider, white wine, or similar tartness. And that's, Lambic is where I've been introduced into the European sours. And I yeah. do not, I'm not a cider person. No. So uh, this might be why. Uh, lambics are aged before consumption to ensure the tartness has mellowed. In my experience, it hadn't. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> Average alcohol by volume, uh, the range is 3 to 6%, so still a little on the low to medium side. Uh, our next style is the one we've had a fun time trying to pronounce. <laughs> Goose? It's not the... It's that- G-U-E-U-Z-E. Goose. Goose. I... Because... I, there also exists the Gosa, yeah. which, when buying beer, I confused Gis for Gosa. Uh, and I like just pronouncing the G weird in that because if you put a E, a U, and an E like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna do weird things. <laughs> the English language is going to make you do weird things. It messes you up, really. But yeah, uh, it's not one I've had a whole lot of experience with. Tell me about it. Paint me a word picture. <laughs> okay. Guise. A traditional Belgian blend of young and old lambics, which are then bottled after blending, then aged for two to three years to produce a drier, fruitier, and more intense style of lambic. So not for so, me. <laughs> I, I, I was reading along with you in our notes, and I read that wrong, and I thought it said aged for two to three years in a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Like a machine clothes dryer. And I was like, what? Fill the dryer with it. It's got to be better than a... It's got to be better than a... a, a, What you call them? In a car. Glove compartment. yeah. Better than your glove compartment? Gotta be. Can't be worse. There is no hop character. Some are filtered and force carbonated, if not pasteurized as well. Some say that this is the more harsh lambic as the sourness is pretty intense. Hmm. Average alcohol by volume, the range is 4 to 6%, so standard. But yeah, okay, I'm guessing this might be what I've had, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had this, I don't think. I'd like to try it at some point, just to just to get you know some experience with it. But Yeah, if this isn't what I've had, I'm afraid of it now, because <laughs> if it's more tart than a Lambic, I might cry. Well, I... I... The drier thing sounds good to me. You know, I I like the dry stuff, I guess. I mean, we've got a dryer. We could fill it with Lampic. Right. <laughs> That's what that means, right? <laughs> Turn it on, watch them go. It would smell amazing for months. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Fruitier and more intense style. They all just kind of frighten me, I think. <laughs> it's like they're hiding behind the corner and Brittany's like, Oh God, they're here! It doesn't take much to do that. The beer's right. coming from inside the house. <laughs> Our uh, last style of the evening is going to be the fruit lambic. In the case of fruit lambics, whole fruits are traditionally added after spontaneous fermentation has started. So after the fermentation is going underway so that, you know, the main yeast is in there, they then add the fruit. There's 
staring at it, waiting for that day when it finally ferments. Like, go, go, no, no, no. no you just because of your your joke about it. I'm just like it's like spontaneously ferments. Like pop. I'm like, oh god. And then like people are just running from corners with bags of like just baskets of fruit. People are just throwing fruit from across the room. Yeah. There's like open the lid, get it in. <laughs> Quick before it's too late. <laughs> Obviously, this is not how this really happens, but I would prefer it this it's way. It's just how, how we picture it happens. <laughs> I think that should be a thing. Like they should, there should be somewhere just to make it fun for the the, the staff working at a brewery. There should be like an alarm that goes off when. It's like, <laughs> Quick, add the ingredients now before it's too late. I, I think we just described or we just created our own Bill Nye video. From the- <laughs> don't you just see that? Uh, Start hearing a siren. Instead of chanting Bill, we're chanting beer. (laughs) Beer, beer, beer. Beer, beer, beer. Beer Nye, the drunk guy. (laughs) No, no, we just did it. Okay. (laughs) The most traditional styles of fruit lambics include uh, creek cherries, uh, framboise, which is raspberries, and... I have it, I have it. Okay. (laughs) Drive a lambic. Drive and Lambique. Drive and Lambique, which is muscat grapes. Muscat <laughs> Once the fruit is added, the beer is sub- subjected to additional maturation before bottling. Malt and hop characters are generally low to allow the fruit to consume the palate. Alcohol content tends to be low, as we've seen. <laughs> See. Well, it says three to eight percent, though. Like yeah. it goes all the way up to eight, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Some breweries um, opt to use fruit or sugar syrups versus whole fruits, producing very non-traditional sweet versions of the style. So this is, I think, what introduced me to the lambic side of sours um, was the the fruit lambic because a uh, uh, friend of the show, Matt, he had uh, was on our tasting episode. He he loves fruit lambics. Uh, That's his jam. He because he he's he not literally makes huge, jam out of it. Sorry, you almost could. <laughs> be. Uh, but he's not a huge beer drinker normally. He he's getting into you know drinking more of it now. But uh, but you give him something fruity, a little bit a uh, uh, little bit sour. Give him that you know something that tastes like cherries or raspberries. Now mm-hmm. he is. He was all about this. We found it uh, at one of our, our local, uh, 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 trying to think of the best way to describe it, uh, craft craft bar slash home brewing supply shop. And they were, they had some in bottles and he's like, I got to try some of this. Like, what is it? He's like, well, it's like a fruit beer kind of thing. And he's like, okay. And he was like, I, I don't want anything else ever again in the history of the world. This is, this is all I need. Meanwhile, I'm drinking some crazy stout or porter or something. Just going, no, no. You need to need to do, you need to drink dark. Mm, dark. Now, okay, so we have had the. I'm, I'm trying to double check that this is what this is, but it was a fruit lambic. So this is the, like the story I keep bringing up about how we had had one of these was, I don't remember how, how long ago it was. A few years ago, I guess. We went to a beer and chocolate tasting at Jungle Gyms on Valentine's Day. Because I'm romantic like that. And drove back in like four feet of snow or whatever it was. It was something ridiculous. Um, then, so this is the, oh gosh, what is it? Lindenman's? 
Lindemans. Lindemans. It's that label that everyone has seen. You, if you've seen this Lambic label, you're like, ah, that it's, one. It's probably Lindemans, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had the Frambois, the uh, the raspberry Lambic, and they paired it with dark chocolate. That was actually delicious. Like, yeah. it, it was a really good pairing, figuring out what went where. Because otherwise, I would never have tried a fruit Lambic or any kind of Lambic, honestly. Um, because I'd be worried about the tart. And actually, on Beer Advocate, that has a, a score of 88, which is pretty good. So they try and hop these things as, as little as possible. In some cases, uh, when I was talking uh, I was talking to Casey about some of this stuff, because he's, he's a sour beer guy. Not specifically, but he more so than me. Yeah, so, he, he's pretty. Jam. He's pretty into gozos. Yeah. Uh, so he got. Uh, he was telling me that that Lindemans, particularly, like they'll use like already used hops and just whatever they can do to make sure like there's there's technically hops in there, but not really. <laughs> uh, just so they can call it a beer. Yeah. Well, and. Um, we saw the bottles at, and we were at Whole Foods, and it says it's, it calls it a beer, and yet in the description says malt beverage, which is odd to me. Well, you'll see, uh, there's a lot of beers that are technically not beers, but they're from, like, it's a brewed drink. It is a malt drink, but it's a malt beverage because it's not technically beer. I still enjoy them. What I'm drinking now is technically a malt beverage. Technically given to you by Billy D. Williams. <laughs> no, uh, a lot of people use that when it doesn't adhere to the Reinheitsgebot, which uh, this weekend was the 500 year anniversary of. Yeah, no, I saw that. But a lot of people who their beers will usually adhere to it, well, they put that on the bottom of it because, according to the Reinheitsgebot, it's not a beer. Yeah, you can you can argue uh, for some of the fruit lambics that they are not beer, but yeah, so we get into some iffy iffy definitions, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, but I think that has pretty much summed that up. But before we roll into feedback, someone had a story <laughs> that Did was we... left out at the top. Okay, uh, well it's it's hot, guys. I'm dying. <laughs> No, I was promised a story. Story time. Right. Okay, so Chris and Brittany know a little bit about this story because I have to go. I have to go into the wayback machine for a minute. Hop into uh, the wayback machine. Uh, a couple months ago, I had someone come in to to my bar at work, uh, and they sat there for about five or six hours just drinking Bud Lights the whole day and trying to start conversations with me, which I'm fine with. I, I was, but. As he as he continued on, the the conversation got a little bit strange. Uh, we started talking about uh, history at one point, and having uh, having a degree in it, I feel compelled to indulge every historical conversation that comes my way. Um, he starts talking. I forget what got us on the subject, but we start talking about Alexander the Great, and he talks about how uh, Alec. Uh, how he was he was German, to which I went, well, he's Macedonian, it's in the Balkans, it's not really the same thing, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, it's a wild frontier of breeding out there, so, you know. And he's like, well, that was before the mongrelization of the, of the area. In my day on that 
that day a couple months ago took a sharp Reich turn. <laughs> uh, discovered I was uh, dealing with a neo-Nazi, more or less. Oh, Would this man have been extremely happy in the world that is painted from Man on the High Castle? Would yeah, that probably would that be his utopia? Yeah, probably. Uh, th- th- there's a lot about what what went on that day to give me clues, other than the mongrelization thing. <laughs> primarily, him flashing the SS symbol and referring uh, referring to uh, talking about how much he hated the he's a different word, but African Americans, and he wondered who would protect us from the Islams. Huh. Yeah, it was a weird guy. He ended up not paying for $37 worth of, of beer. Uh, he ended up just skipping out in the beer. Anyway, I come in today, go into work, the guy shows up again. Oh, dear. <laughs> I just look at him not like this. He skipped out on a tab before. Couldn't you have called him on it, like, right there and be like, no, this man already owes us money. My my manager showed up. He like saw him come in too, and he he walks over because he was the guy that helped me deal with him last time. He just looks at me, goes, "Justin, was that the yes, yes, that's him." <laughs> goes over and talks to him. He's like, "Hey, you know, just wanted to let you know you didn't pay for whatever." He was very polite about it. Uh, the the guy insisted this time that uh, the oh yeah no no it's fine I I hear you we'll we'll make sure it's it's fine. And then he started like. Yelling, he he slowly backed away and said people were eyeballing him and started yelling at our uh, our young host, like some I don't know seventeen year old girl up at a host stand uh, who had no idea what was going on. Uh, in fairness, when he walked in, I had like five or six other servers like walk up to me and going, "Is that the Nazi?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's him. Uh, so that's that's the gist of the story. I was just going to tell you like how my day had gone, uh, but I felt you know I was like uh, it's it's going to be a long day. Let's just go ahead and. So basically, you're saying you needed the drink. Oh God! <laughs> when I you got home. <laughs> um, thankfully, the guy uh, he skipped out on his tab again, but oh my only gosh. like a ten dollar tab as opposed to a nearly forty dollar tab. Yeah. I looked at I looked at my manager. I was like, you know what? Look, either way, he's gone now. I'm going to call this a win. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Right. I, see, being the bartender, I don't know how I could handle that. Yeah, the, the I'm pretty sure where we're like 85, 90% sure this guy had... Uh, first of all, we know for a fact he's been chased out of other restaurants in in this town. Wow. Um, like, he got chased out of an Italian restaurant a couple weeks ago. Uh, he got... We were pretty sure he came up to our bar one time, uh, tried to convert one of our other bartenders into his, quote, brotherhood, uh, and then tried to uh, – I started talking to this family, uh, this dad, mother, and two kids, and as the dad's just humoring him, letting him talk, because uh, the guy also gets into weird topics like how Star Wars is a uh, metaphor for communism. Sure, sure. Um, but he tried to convince the father. He looks at him and goes, you know, you should kill your wife and kids. They're just holding you back. Oh, my gosh. What? A fight nearly broke out, and they tossed him out. Well, yeah. 
Uh, Holy crap. I thought this was going to go to a real funny direction. That, I thought that it was going to be a like, dark oh. turn. I thought yeah. it was going to like Blues Brothers. Like he looked over and goes, Yo, women, tell me your women. <laughs> nope. No, he was. Your kids, uh, how much were the kids? Yeah, he, he makes everyone very uncomfortable when he comes around. Um, well, hopefully yeah. we've embarrassed him enough that he doesn't come back, but uh, <laughs> there's there's a handful of people that can now recognize him on site. So. Like, why are uh, you going into a family restaurant just being a total I call the weirdo? cops next time. <laughs> he owes I, money. I really want to, but when I try to tell management occasionally, they're just like, well, technically, like, there, it gets you get into a weird iffy. Like until he does something, it's not like you have a right to be able to be like out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the the previous time when he was just spouting anti-Semitism uh, and other racism, uh, he was just he wasn't slurring his speech, and so every time a manager came by to talk to him, they were like, "No, he seems fine." I was like, "Really?" Because he just, you know, <laughs> fine, whatever. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that was the story time. I was just kind of <laughs> cut it for time. I was like, yeah, let's, let's get into the episode. Let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Let's, but I had to hear it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, I almost told this, the first part of the story, the day it happened, uh, cause we had not the day, but like the week it happened on the show. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want to discourage. Well, okay. I want to discourage Nazis, but you know, <laughs> We should have a weird bar story segment, you know. I I, I, I want to think of that, like you know, who am I to judge? I was like, he's a Nazi. You're you're well within your rights to judge. Yep, you're well within your rights. <laughs> it's it, um, it's like that um that episode of Sherlock that uh no spoilers, but an event happens and he, Sherlock finds this guy like knocked out essentially and wonders about him, and then he sees like the SS symbol on his neck, and it's like, well, he's a Nazi. It doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So that's uh, like, cause in my, my, my general instinct is to always be diplomatic and try to be nice and think like, you know, there are people too, but there are people who hate everyone and want to do horrible, horrible (laughs) things to everyone. They don't, who isn't like them. I think that there's a line drawn somewhere and like, we're getting into political territory, but basically like the guy was a weirdo and in either way, no matter what his beliefs were, he was super inappropriate at a family restaurant. And, and yeah, and, well, and apparently he also tipping. he also <laughs> thought I was I was down for this because he he looks at my I guess blonde hair and blue eyes and goes like <laughs> your your yeah. Aryan appearance. And he's like, well, he starts talking about how superior you know certain genetic types are. He's like, oh, I mean, you're German, so you're blonde hair, blue eyed, and I'm like, I'm Scotch Irish. <laughs> I'm, I'm super super not German actually. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, but, fun story time. Let's move on into some feedback. <laughs> we got one! That slap is so powerful. It is. I wonder if Chris Hemsworth will have as powerful a slap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so there's not really technically feedback, but uh, more of an announcement, I guess, from a fan. Uh, so Tyler tweeted at us saying that... We, we were tagged in the tweet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's feedback. It's feedback. It's true. True. Public service announcement. Everyone needs to know. Yeah. Uh, the the ballast point sculpin that we all know and love. I, I've, I've yet to hear anyone say anything bad about it, honestly. It was rated on that list as one of the beers to try before you die. Right, right. They now have, which we did not see today, but hopefully will be out soon to us, a 12-pack of the sculpin varieties. So you have the sculpin, the grapefruit sculpin, and the pineapple sculpin. Yeah. And I am so excited for this. We have to get it. 
Yeah, because it's not available in single bottles at our local place. Oh yeah, so, like for the for like the create your own or something. Yeah, so getting that like it's perfect to get a nice distribution of all of them. Soon we'll see who's the crafty consumer. I'll take eight. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I look forward to trying to find this. Uh, I, however, can occasionally find an odd grapefruit sculpin in my... Oh, that's good. Uh, Maybe it's just they all get cleaned room. out of ours. I don't know. They're, yeah, they're probably just like that popular. That's true. Um, although, I have like several walls of create-your-own six-packs where I, where I shop, so... Yeah, true. yours is very yeah. impressive. <laughs> it's mine. I, that's it's, what she said. It's all mine. It's only yours. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, okay. other people try to shop there, and I slap the box out of their hand. They'll go to a different store. <laughs> you don't belong here. All right. Uh, so, since we kind of touched on it already, let's get into what we are drinking. Drink with me, friend. Uh, Brittany, what are you drinking? You you tried to, right. to spoil it for everybody earlier that you weren't drinking a sour. I I yeah. That's all I said. You know. I just um. But. And I, I just finished it. It wasn't that it was even hard to drink. It's just, I don't know what it was. I, well, I'd also had a beer earlier. I just I haven't had as much water as I've had beer this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so I was just taking a minute with this one. But um, I got this primarily because of the badge on Untapped that actually expires, uh, I guess you would say, this coming weekend now. It's like May 1st. It's the Big Easy IPA from Abita Brewing Company, which we learned is actually in like Abita Springs or something, Louisiana. Uh, everything they have is basically themed around Louisiana and Mardi Gras and you know things like that. Uh, it's a session IPA. Um, there's actually no rate beer score, which is interesting. It doesn't exist. You're telling lies. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's like new or something like that. Um, Maybe but... it doesn't have enough aggregate scores to... Yeah, there's only eight ratings on there, so maybe that has something to yeah, do with it. They but need more, which they need may larger have, sample size. Yeah, which may have been honestly why they made an untapped badge for it, maybe to get the word out. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe, so maybe they wanted people to buy their Mardi Gras Bach by mistake. <laughs> which we still have a bottle of in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'll drink. I'll drink it. To be so fair, it was good. Yeah. It was a good. Mail it to me. Yeah, I. I I want to try more of their stuff, though I've looked at the... They don't have a ton of high-alcohol content um, options, but it was tasty, nevertheless. Um, it wasn't very bitter for an IPA. Uh, it was actually ale brewed with lemon peels, so I thought that would be an interesting try. Mm. It was pretty just yeah. nice and refreshing, like if you're just reaching for... It's kind of like what it says. It's a session IPA. So if you're reaching for something nice and refreshing... You know, for the upcoming hot months, uh, this is going to be a good thing to grab. It's 4.5% ABV, um, and the IBUs are pretty low. It's a 40. So, um, you know, aside from the rate beer score, everything's pretty pretty standard. Uh, it's just a nice, light, kind of refreshing beer. Um, you, you only get, like, the slightest bit of bitterness for, for because of it being an IPA. But for the most part, it's just, it's just drinkable. You can just have them. Cool. Yeah, pretty good. And I, I got the uh, badge for it when I checked in a little bit ago. Sweet. Well, no badge exists for the beer I'm drinking. <laughs> uh, I've got what I'm calling uh, Casey's Flan uh, Flanders Red <laughs> um, from uh, the brewery Casey's Garage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And it's a Flanders Red, uh, ABV about 5.6%, uh, rate beer score not available. <laughs> and I had the IBUs somewhere, I think. Huh. Uh, give me a moment to look real quick. There's a discussion about this earlier. Uh, I'm drinking one of Casey's homebrewed beers. Right. Uh, he left a couple in my... Uh, left a couple in my, my refrigerator and I had no choice but to but to try and drink them. Uh, sure, sure. And since it was the closest thing to a sour beer I had on uh, on ta- on hand, it uh, it seemed the one to go with. Uh, it actually, it is a <laughs> IBU of zero. Zero point zero. Is I wow. think, well, no, actually, I think he forgot to put that put that part in when he was getting oh. his recipe. Uh, so we'll we'll it's not it's not bitter. It is sour, but it's actually been pretty pretty nice, refreshing. Uh, I just got to it a little while ago. Uh, I had been drinking a Sierra Nevada Gosa style, but so, so you you were prepared. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to drink drink through this, and then I'll get to this one by the end of the episode. So I wasn't completely out. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's pretty good. Uh, Casey makes makes really good beer. Uh, he does make uh, good beer. Yes, we we have a couple of the bottles of the Flanders too that he left here, and then uh, his oh gosh, what was the like coffee? Is it like a stout? Yeah, it's okay. a it's a, a coffee stout. I think it was just what it was, but which is um, good. No, this has a nice tartness. It's it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's it's like an apple, but like the beginning of it, the beginning taste is kind of a little bit fruity, and then it it gets into gets into that nice tartness by the time your time it's done. It's it's a good beer. I recommend you have one, but you can't. <laughs> but you can't. We have two in our fridge that we will get to. But uh, yeah, well, now he's got a. You could have one if you were friends with us and lived in the area. We can't mail them to you. Yeah. We can't mail them to you, and you it's technically to illegal near... to transport it over state lines. We What we need is Burt Reynolds. To <laughs> we need the bandit. Drive, we, we need him to drive this truck across <laughs> across state lines. <sighs> what are you drinking, Chris? I have a straight in style from what I'm used to, but not from the brewer. So I'm having a Rubeus... From Founders. Uh, it is a fruit beer. It is a pure raspberry ale. And it is pretty tart. Uh, the raspberry is not completely overshot in it. It's uh, 5.7%, so we're not tipping any scales yeah. on ABV. has a rate beer score of 97, so it's pretty up there for rate beer. Because Founders. Yeah, I think the fact that it's from <laughs> Founders helps. Well, I would say like I, I don't always like fruit beers. Some of them are, can be kind of hit or miss for me. Yeah, I, re- I do really like the Rubeus. Like when I find it, I do get. I, I usually try to take the chance to just to, to grab some more. It's like yeah, no, I need to get it now. I need to get in my system. Remind <laughs> myself how it tastes. Mm. Yeah, uh, about IBUs are coming in at fifteen, so pretty low. It's low on that level. So this is pretty. This is very. Uh, in the heart of the episode. And when I was checking in, I saw that there is a nitro version that you can get. Yeah. Huh. I want yeah. that. That's <laughs> And there was a badge for this one too though, right? Yeah, yeah, that was right. my main reasoning in getting it. 
I think I got uh, I think I had the nitro version of this somewhere and it, it is it's it's pretty good I mean it's nitrogen so it's all it's automatically gonna make the beer better yeah automatically makes beer better to you guys <laughs> I have decided I love carbonation I'm all about the bubbles tiny <laughs> bubbles <laughs> but no I said because founders because I mean it's they're they've one of they're one of those breweries that we've discovered is they hardly do any wrong at all. It just <laughs> mo- most of it is just everything's delicious. That, that awesome. And as mm-hmm. I discovered uh, at the liquor store today, their new seasonal is out. The um, Sumatran Brown, <laughs> a coffee infused brown ale, which has so, got to be amazing. There's a four pack <laughs> chilling in the fridge. We'll find out this week. <laughs> Tune in next time. Same beer time. Same beer channel. <laughs> Two weeks. Uh... Okay, so let's get this thing moving. Uh, announcements. We have them. <laughs> Indeed, we do. Prepare to be announced. <laughs> uh, sweetie, uh, do you want to take that one? Or? I'll take the horns. <laughs> we have a new page on the site uh, for resources. Uh, this was something we'd been thinking about for a while, actually, because we'd been finding a lot of documentaries and things. And we're like, well, we need to... Bring all this information together rather than just tweeting it out and people being like, oh, crap, what was that again? But uh, so far on our new resource page, we have a documentary we found on YouTube uh, from Goose Island about the Bourbon County Stout. And it's a long one, too. It's, it's like an hour-ish. Yeah, it's like a little over an hour, I think. It's a very good documentary. Uh, yeah, completely in-depth. It, uh, it starts you from the logging of the... Of the oak. <laughs> of the oak. oak. To the making of the barrel, to the making of the whiskey. I mean, it's... And then to the making of the beer, and then the beer going into the barrel. The barrel thing is fascinating, though. Those men are, like, oh, they're, they're ripped they're out of their minds. They're just throwing yeah. those barrels around, and when you know how much those barrels weigh... I mean, they they deal with barrels all day. It's, yeah. it's good strength building. Yeah. And Probably we've also, have decent cardio. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got a link to a beer tasting book that we use a lot and reference quite thoroughly. It's it's in like every liquor store I've ever seen, I swear. It it's just called Tasting Beer. It's written by one of the guys in the industry who's just like the guy to go to or whatever and it's very if helpful. If your liquor store has a book section, you'll find it there. Yeah. If it's a, you know, reputable. And it's it's the one that we pulled a lot of the glassware stuff from. Um it's also got the thing about food pairings. It's it it's just it's the you can read through it, but it's also just it's mostly like a, the best reference book you can have. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else about the, the announcements page? Or not the announcements page. The ref- <laughs> resources. resources page? Uh, for now, I think that's kind of wrapping that one up. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, do it to remind you guys. We're doing the... We will be at the Altec Craft Brews and Food Festival in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, you don't... Uh, don't need to, to head on down, but if you happen, to, you know, don't don't travel cross country for it. But if you're in the area, yeah, feel free to to stop on down. Try to find us. It'll be the three of us plus some of our some of our friends. So it's gonna be gonna be a good time. Uh, tickets aren't super expensive. Get a lot of food and beer out of it. Uh, I think they haven't released a full beer list yet, but what they have announced is that uh, Three Floyds will have Zombie Dust on tap. Zombie dust, uh, I feel, pops up here a lot uh, in in this area. Like huh. when it when it comes out, we're like they are all over it to grab it. Uh, I had some friends that used to work at some 
one of the liquor barns in town, and it was always just like, I found some zombie dust. I, I, I bought all of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it's... It's a cool thing. It's a it's a great way to, to sample a whole lot of different beers. Uh, I think I think we're all pretty excited for it this time. So oh yeah, and there, there's going to be quite a few breweries there, and that that's local and national, just lots yeah. and lots of breweries. Um, Thirty dollars for the tickets. So mm-hmm. all, all right. right. Um, so almost that time of year again, guys. The real start of summer. Cinco, Cinco de Mayo. De, Cinco de Cuatro. <laughs> um. So yeah, fifth of May. I just wanted to look up like a quick blurb on this, basically, but uh, it commemorates the Mexican Army's 1862 victory over France at the Battle of Puebla during the Franco-Mexican War. Um, relatively minor holiday in Mexico, kind of like it's basically like St. Patrick's Day is, but in it's the not, United States, we're a, like, hey, yeah, it's like it's not a huge deal there where they're from, but. Here it's it's taken to be basically National Heritage Day. For... Yeah, it evolved into the celebration of Mexican culture and heritage, and it's also for those who like to drink Margarita Day. Um, so uh, the traditions include parades, mariachi music performances, street festivals. Um, so it, it it's a pretty fun time. Um, though it, think... it does get crazy. I worked at Don Pablo's one year. Um, when during Cinco de Mayo and it was wow I think I need to celebrate this year with a the movie marathon of El Mariachi uh Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico <laughs> that's yeah that's about right that that would be a very pleasant evening um so the reason we bring up Cinco de Mayo specifically is because of untapped badges <laughs> there is a problem yeah. the problem is badges basically so we do need those stinking badges <laughs> Uh, there is an untapped badge called Cerveza Matador. You check into five different Mexican beers. Um, note, it's like like the Irish one. You can't do like a Mexican style because I'm sure that's a thing. Has to be a Mexican beer. Um, I've apparently already got one on the way. Uh, I checked into Dos Equis Amber, which is pretty mm-hmm. good. I I just lean toward the amber styles for the most part. Anyway. Um, I, I mean, you know, grab your Tecate and your Modelo and <laughs> just go to town. Uh, I don't even know any other Mexican brands, but that's going to be a good challenge. And I'm sure there are going to be some brand-sponsored badges that come out for Untapped as we get closer. Yeah. And yeah. we'll try to let you guys know, even though I think, do we only have like one more episode before then? We don't even have it. No, because it's, I mean, next weekend is oh, May. Right. I forget. Yeah. So we won't even have it. We'll tweet it out. We'll definitely have it on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, we'll try to get the word out there whenever we see anything from Untapped. Um, you know, obviously follow Untapped on Twitter. They always tweet out whatever's going on. So yeah, uh, these are tri- five more. And also, you know, pay attention to what we're checking into. If we manage to find some more and we're trying to shoot for that badge, um, it could give you some ideas. Yeah, and you guys did great back on St. Patrick's Day. I think we had a high level of participation on Untapped. A lot of people getting those badges. So let's yeah. uh, let's keep up that trend. Let's get some more. Let's hunt them down. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. See, I need to have that sound clip available. <laughs> Untapped badge. <laughs> uh, so speaking of um, our Untapped profiles, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. 
go to our website, haveadrinkshow.com. There you can find those profiles and links to the show's social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Google+, and Facebook. Uh, we haven't posted as much on Google+, but we will. I'm, I'm going to be working on fixing that. It's a dead social media. Shh. Um, as long as it exists, we have it. Um, so, uh, and then to tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some feedback at all, um, use the email feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. And you can also use, do the same thing by going to the feedback page on the website. And as always, we'd like to thank Alan Robinson for the show music and Lynn Peralta for the album art. Uh, you can find links to their stuff on the episode page on the site. And remember to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher and please rate us on iTunes. Uh, it, it, it'll be, it's a great help for letting people know that we're there. Uh, the links to, to subscribe can also be found uh, on the site. All right, and uh, check us out in another couple of weeks for the next episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.